0: You are listening. You are listening. You're listening to. Do not to not elsewhere. Not elsewhere. Elsewhere. Elsewhere Classified. Welcome to Not Elsewhere Classified, a podcast about the medical coding, health information technology, and clinical documentation improvement community. I'm your host, Brian Kui. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 23 of the Not Elsewhere Classified podcast. For those that are listening to this podcast for the first time, welcome. And if you're listening to this on the internet, also note that you can subscribe to our podcast by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and tuned in. These are apps on your phones that you can actually go in there, look up Not Elsewhere Classified, and find our podcast. Once you find our podcast, please make sure to hit the subscribe button. When you subscribe to our podcast, you will get notified of new episodes. And while you're at it, please make sure to leave us a rating and review. Also, please help support the podcast by going to medicalcodinggeek.com slash promos and medicalcodinggeek.com slash partners to check out our supporting partners of the podcast and the Medical Coding Geek brand. So today on the podcast, we have the director of the Association of Clinical Documentation Improvement Specialists, Brian Murphy. In our interview, which by the way, was about a little over two hours We talked about his journey into becoming the director of ACDIS. We talk about his humble beginnings, how he got into healthcare, and how he got thrusted into the director of ACDIS. We go into how ACDIS was created, what's involved, what does it take, what is the current state of CDI, and we go into so much more, but that will be in part two of this episode coming next week. So without further ado, here is my interview with Brian Murphy. Enjoy. Well, welcome everybody to the Not Elsewhere Classified podcast. I am totally honored. Uh, to have on the podcast Brian Murphy, director of the Association of Clinical Documentation Improvement Specialists. Hello, Brian. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well, Brian. Other Brian. <laughs> we get two Brian's on the show, so hopefully it won't get confusing to your listeners.
0: <laughs> the first question I'm going to ask How did you get your name, Brian?
1: <laughs> how did I get my name, Brian? You know, it's a good. Uh, well,. Obviously, my parents bestowed it upon me, but um, you know, it, it doesn't. It, I've actually never been asked that, and I have to say, it's not like a family name. Never run in the family. I, I think it was just my mother loved it and went with it, and uh, here I am. It's Brian with an I.
0: Yeah, that's what I I <laughs> I, I I wondered myself. How did I ever get my name? My, my parents doesn't even have an answer. Um, my son's name is Brian. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, it's Brian Junior. And and um I didn't have a name for him up until the time that he was born. And my wife looked at me and says, What are you gonna name him? Brian <laughs> You know, like <laughs> I'm like, All right, uh, okay. He could have been like a Jason. I like look back now, he's thirteen now, I'm like You could have you could have been a Jason. You could have been like a Kevin or, or something. Like that. it's like, No, don't don't do that And I'm like, Well, you know
1: You know what's funny, yeah, we, we we opted not to have a... Uh for our first child not to know the this the sex of the baby and uh we had we had jason picked out if it was a boy but i have i have two daughters hannah and Libby, and they're they're both wonderful 16 and 13. oh nice um Very nice. maybe i would have gone with brian if one was a boy who knows <laughs> didn't have to go down that path
0: well again thank you for for being in the podcast we definitely have a lot a lot to talk about uh i know a lot of people who have kind of anticipated this um this podcast episode definitely want to hear uh, where you came from, uh, what uh, ACDIS is going through, and, and where it's going. Uh, definitely a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about. But um, the, well, I guess the, the way that we connected was um, a mutual uh, colleague, friend, uh, Dr. Limhoko. I had him on the podcast and um, I asked him, Hey, can you give me some people to be. <laughs> be on the podcast and he gave me a bunch of people and then he says then one day because uh he he i think he texted me he says brian would you like uh brian murphy on your podcast i said Are you kidding me can you <laughs> can you do it please <laughs> and he says yeah sure and then all of a sudden you know we, we he sent out an email and then i guess we connected from there and we had a very brief discussion uh i think sometime last year uh and so that's that kind of that kind of sparked the uh, connection right there
1: well, I'll have to thank him when I see him next. He's a he's a great guy and a brilliant individual, and uh, he's I, I um, we had him speak at a, a conference about sepsis and the clinical truth. Oh and, yeah, <laughs> um, I love his approach to CDI in general. Just making sure that the diagnosis is accurate, that the health record is telling the patient's story, no more, no less. It's something he picked up from his colleague. I'm sure he'd give a lot of credit and has credited uh Dr. Robert Gold oh, yeah. who passed away a few mm-hmm. years ago mm-hmm. uh, another great man but um I I personally think that that is the the way CDI should be about painting the the accurate clinical picture. So I have to thank Dr. Lamhoko for getting us together for the <laughs> yeah. podcast. That's nice. I'm grateful to be on. Yeah.
0: All right, so you have, I guess, my my initial question has been, you know, how did you get to where you're at today? So I guess, kind of, give the audience a little story of where did you begin in your professional career. Or you could even go deeper than that, but uh, you know, where did you begin, and how did to how did you get to where you're at today?
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I don't know how I got here, but I'm going to attempt <laughs> to explain it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I, had, I have a very non traditional Background when it comes to healthcare, um, absolutely. So, you know, Brian, it started out, and, and I was not even in healthcare. Obviously, um, I have a I have a background in I went to um, I went to college for English and journalism was my principal background. Um, I went to graduate school at Tufts and thought I was going to be a English teacher, high school English teacher. Briefly taught in high school uh, as a student teacher, taught a couple classes, American lit and uh, short stories for seniors and did that for a couple months and realized that that was not going to be my calling. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, you know, it. it yeah, it, it was a momentous decision in my life because I had invested a lot in it. And uh, I realized, though, that it takes a special person to be a teacher and I give teachers a lot of credit. For what they do, my, my my wife is actually a speech language pathologist uh, in the public schools. Was a pathologist for years and only recently moved into uh, administration. So she oversees a special ed department. So she's heavily invested in in uh, in the public school system. And I thought I was going to be. I did, and it wound up not not turning out that way. Um, so. Decided to get back into my true love, which I went to school for, which was writing and journalism. I was fortunate enough to, when I was in my undergrad at Bridgewater State, I uh, I started working for the student newspaper uh, called the Comment. I covered um, I covered school government, the SGA. I covered I did uh, human interest stories, feature stories on professors and, and school programs that were going on. Uh, really enjoyed that very much, and um, so then my wife and I uh, got uh, married in between her her first and second year of grad school. I lived in Vermont for a year, um, worked a couple of very odd jobs. I don't know if I want to get into those on the on the podcast. Suffice to say, they had nothing to do with CDI coding <laughs> or healthcare. I worked as a security guard. Wow! Uh, I had I had some interesting jobs. Yeah, as a young man. Um, Fortunate enough when I when we moved back to Massachusetts, my home state, I live in Merrimack Mass, a small town near the New Hampshire border, uh, that I was able to get a job on a newspaper, um, full-time job as a sports editor
2: wow, uh,
1: okay. for a small family five day a week newspaper called The Daily Times Chronicle. It's still in operation uh, out of Woburn Mass. So I, I was also an athlete. I played football. Uh, I did track. I always I, I love sports, um, so it was a it was kind of a dream job for me. I did this for about seven years from 1997 to 2004, um, covering sports, laying out the paper. This was the pre just around, just before the pre-internet days. So the internet was a thing, but it was very very little known and not widely used in circa 1997. Um, so you're probably wondering, how did I go from that into my present role? What was happening was the newspaper business has changed dramatically. It's been impacted dramatically by the, the Internet, and some papers have made the transition. Others have not. Most of them have had seen dramatic declines in circulation, drop-off in readership, because people expect to get their information free online. Um, so we, we had the same thing. We, we were starting to decline. We had some benefits that were cut at the paper. I knew with a young family coming up, I had had my first daughter, Hannah, by then, around 2000, and she was born in 2002. We were expecting another child in 2005, so I had to, uh, I wanted to get out of that business as much as I loved it and still love it, um, and I actually still do some high school uh, football reporting, believe it or not, even today. Yes, I do. Um So I moved out of that. I I responded to a job that was posted. um, It may have been on the internet at the time. (laughs) Again, we were still moving out of that era, but it was for a a job as a managing editor at a uh, at a a healthcare company called HC Pro. They were looking for. It it didn't specify what it was, but it basically was you know uh, writing for a print print journal, a print um, print newsletter. As it turned out, that newsletter was called uh, "Briefings on APCs."
2: Oh, okay.
1: Uh, ambulatory Payment Classifications. I went into that with a strong writing background mm-hmm. and many years of writing interviewing experience, but no healthcare experience. Right. Uh, I had to learn. I had to learn on the job what the heck this thing called medical coding was and why it was so important. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually started in the outpatient. You know. Uh, CPT, HICPICS, APCs, OPPS, all those acro- all those lovely acronyms I had to learn from the ground up what they were, how hospitals uh, how hospitals were paid, how they, you know, how medical codes were applied and the type of professionals that did this and was very quickly amazed to learn um, just how important the medical coding profession is and was and remains that all of the revenue that flows through a hospital, you know, is ultimately the responsibility of an HIM professional applying a medical code to a, to a patient record. Uh, I was, I was in awe. I, I don't think most of the public knows this. I don't think they understand how it operates and how the diagnosis is extrapolated to a diagnosis code by a human being doing performing a complex chart review in many cases. Um, you know, sequencing the codes, applying all of the procedural codes, dropping the bill, and um, just how much goes into that, and how many rules and regulations there are, and the and the official coding guidelines, and coding clinics, and clinical acumen that these folks need to have—it's it's pretty remarkable. So I, I I learned that for it took me. A couple of years before I felt comfortable. Um, I was very fortunate in that our company also had an educational arm. We, um, About a year after I started at HC Pro, we acquired a company called HRAI uh, Associates. They were a, a, a boot camp company, um, and I'm sure many folks probably know HC Pro for its boot camp line, medical coding boot camps. Um, so I was fortunate enough to be able to attend Um, a full coding boot camp with one of our instructors, Shannon McCall, who's still with the company. She's an excellent instructor. She's someone you might want to have on your show someday, Brian. Um, She's an RHIA CCS, uh, along with many other credentials, including our own CCDS, which we can get into in a little bit. Uh, But I attended her boot camp. I attended our Medicare boot camp. So I I learned a lot. I actually, um, although I regretfully, did let it lapse i did apply for um the aapc cpc credential certified coding professional yeah and i was able to pass that exam i was CPCA. yeah i I learned you know diagnosis coding and uh, cpt coding and um i wouldn't say i would never call myself a coding professional in the trenches like you have and many others have but I, i i did learn the concepts and applied the concepts and really um, rolled up my sleeves and, and figured it out. It, 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 it's a it's a complex business, but um, I quickly, very quickly, was able to see how important it was and how and the, that these folks needed resources. And I was very happy to to learn the ropes. You know, writing a medical coding newsletter. I branched out inpatient coding about a year in. and was promoted to a senior managing Editor position uh, for a newsletter called Briefings on Coding Compliance Strategies. I managed a line of webinars. Um, you know, and around this time, um, we started hearing about, I and my colleagues and others were hearing about sort of a new profession that was starting to emerge. It had been around, but there was no real name or acronym for it, there was no uh, structure around it. It was we, we were hearing that folks were using, not in all cases, but in many cases, nurses to, you know, review these patient charts concurrently, which was a little different than the, than the traditional coding, which is had been uh, retrospective in many instances. Uh, they were reviewing these charts concurrent to the patient stay and and making sure everything was documented, and in many, in some cases, you know, assigning a working DRG and. And um, taking a look at, you know, not only stuff that was explicitly documented, but conditions the patient that the patient may have had, based on you know signs and symptoms and clinical indications, and, and querying physicians to clarify all of this so that the the bill could be, uh, you know, dropped more timely, and all the patient's diagnoses, procedures captured appropriately and to the highest degree of specificity. Um, and that, that that was sort of the genesis for Actus. It was just it was really just ground level, looking at what was happening and realizing that this new profession we were starting to hear about and read about and see about um, was didn't really have a home. It didn't have a name. Uh, CDI wasn't even CDI was I guess around at the time, but it was not um, the only acronym we were hearing. We I was hearing you know CDIP. Uh, DRG reviewer, DRG assurance, DRG auditors, uh, CDS. There was there was many of them, and um, ultimately we decided on CDI as as the most common uh, clinical documentation improvement. And that's sort of how we got started with Actus. Um, it was really just listening and and hearing about it. So this would have been about 2006 and we at at that point decided that we needed to do something for this audience. Um, you know, this was, so this was before MSDRGs came into effect in October of 2007. And that really was the impetus. I think that exploded, uh, the importance of CDI. It had been around, I've heard hospitals that have had a CDI program, um, you know, dating back to even the late eighties, you know, um, early nineties at the, at the furthest, most of them, you know, there, there are others that have been around since the late nineties or even early two thousands. But, but, uh, you know, that, that, that transition to the DR, the MS DRG system in October of 2007 really changed the game. You know, all of a sudden you had, you went from a traditional DRG, um, where one diagnosis was important and, and the one, CC was important to all of a sudden you had, all of a sudden you had MCCs, you had CCs, you had, you know, the, the, the severity of the patient made a much more difference, um, in, in terms of coding and payment and reimbursement. And this is what really started the, the, the interest in CDI programs. And we were, we were right there with Actis, you know, we had been building towards it. We actually launched Mm Actis, believe it or not, Mm -hmm. on October 1, 2007
0: interesting yeah
1: um, right 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 when that occurred i think it was you know we we were fortunate to be in, in the right place at the right time um with with actus and it's been a big success and it's obviously been a huge part of my life ever since
0: so like um yeah because I, I remember because i started cdi in 2006 and i i definitely remember that transition from the basic drg to the MSDRG system. You know, like you mentioned, the CCs and the MCCs, and and it, it provide, a, I guess, a, a, a more of a death in severity, a mm-hmm. more a depth, more depth and breath in documentation. Um, and and I I just all of a sudden heard Actis. I'm like, what what where did that come from? You know, and and lo and <laughs> behold, there was a C D I S, and I'm like, what, where did that come from? Because I know a Hema provided some standards then all of a sudden another association came up i'm like oh this looks interesting <laughs> you know yeah. somebody took the i guess somebody took I mean, in my mind i was like somebody took the initiative and and made something yeah. happen you know like they saw the the opportunity and uh, created an association for cdi specialists it was awesome
1: right right Yeah, that's really what it was. There was a hole in the marketplace. We had, we uh, we put together an advisory board, um, and there's still advisory board is a big part of what we have. They're they're they're, these are industry representatives that are not always, but quite often, you know, managers, directors of CDI. We do have CDI uh, professionals that are doing the chart reviews on our board. we, we do look for folks with a lot of experience. Um, we have HIM professionals on our advisory board. We have physicians on there as well. We, we try to keep a diverse board to, to allow for diversity of thought and opinion. Um, and these guys were the the initial advisory board that included folks like Dr. Gold, uh, Dr. Robert Gold, who I alluded to earlier in the show, uh, Wendy DeVrug, Tamara Hicks. Uh, there were others, um, 12 of them. That really helped us shape the offering for Actus. You know, they they told us what was needed. You know, and initially, Brian, it's funny. We I, I and I mentioned the twelve-page uh, monthly newsletter, which was what I started with print newsletter. We 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 had one of the ideas we kicked around was do we do the same with Actus. You know, does the space just need a, a newsletter, or maybe they need a book? Mm-hmm. Um, there just wasn't a lot out there for CDI oh, professionals. Oh no, there wasn't. What what the advice? <laughs> yeah. What this advisory board told us was, hey, look, you know, these guys don't need a, a resource or a product. They need that, but what they really need is a home. They need their own, their own professional association. They need their own conference, their own website. What they really need is to be able to talk to each other, um, connect, learn peer-to-peer. And I think our offering was was the, right, was the right offering, the right place, the right home at the right time. You know, I, I, I've always said that what what we do is what Actis does is it brings CDI professionals together.
0: Nice. Yeah. Um,
1: CDI professionals learn more from each other than than we could ever hope to teach them. Um, we, we've we've added a lot over the years. We've actually brought in uh, three full-time instructors that are really, you know, I I rely upon for their expertise. Unlike me, they're they have served as CDI professionals, have managed CDI departments, have consulted with, with groups like Optum and, and J.A. Thomas. And um, in the Laurie Prescott's case, our lead instructor managed a CDI department, um, has, has worked in, you know, in, in case management and other departments. So these guys really understand the, the ground floor clinical coding um, chart review process but as much as we use these guys to teach our members, you know, through boot camps, our, our members, um, what, the best thing we have done, I think, is bring our members together into forums online. You know, our actus Forum at our conference, which we just had our 11th annual conference. We're preparing for our 12th um, national conference next May. And just bringing CDI professionals together, allowing them to network in a dedicated space uh, is, is invaluable. That's really how you, that's how you learn. It's, um, it's through hearing other people's best practices and, be, and the willingness to share your own.
0: That's right. No, I, I like that. I like that approach because I guess, um, not just your association, but you know, I guess the, the premise of when I started in, in my career, um, was basically learning through books, learning through you know articles, but like you said, you know the best way of learning and, and i 've done this myself is is you have to go meet somebody and and feel in touch, not necessarily feel in touch but just the just the concepts that they pro, uh, provide to you. Um, you know, especially when you learn CDI, you can't just learn, you can't learn it out of a book. A lot of, a lot of the newcomers now that are trying to be CDI specialists, they always ask, well, what book should I get? I said, you can't, you, I mean, a book is good. Um, you could always get the pocket guide. You could always get a CDI textbook, but there's nothing that would replace you working with a CDI professional, may it be an HIM person, a coder, or even a physician. I've, I've learned a lot of stuff in CDI, uh, applying CDI concept just from what physicians can tell me about a certain condition.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree. And people have asked me the same, They're like, how do I break into CDI? I said, well, you know, go, go to a local chapter meeting. We have over 40 local chapters of actus. So go to your local AHIMA chapter meeting and, and meet with folks, um, talk to them, get to know them, ask if you can shadow with them for a day. You know, gosh, I, I wish I had done that when I was a, a teacher. I wish I had, um, reached out and actually sat with someone in a, in a classroom before I decided to jump in and realized it wasn't for me. But, you know, th- I, 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 I'll give you a quick story. Um, you know, just about I don't know six or eight months ago I, I I try to get out and do some site visits at some of our local chapters uh, to meet with them we have you know we have a lot of them they're all over the country I can't possibly go to them all but I was fortunate enough to um, meet up with some folks uh, who are part of our New England Actors chapter um, at, at Tufts University and uh, they had us out Tufts Medical Center and they had me and a couple of my colleagues out for a day we met with their team they actually took us up on the floor where they um, were doing some some rounding and we got to go into you know onto the oncology floor and um, the CDI professional was there along with the uh, attending physician along with a team of nurses and case managers and I got to sit and listen to. Uh, this physician go through the daily census and talk about these patients. Um, we had to sign, you know, HIPAA waivers and all that stuff, and we couldn't record or, or talk about anything we we heard. But it was it was an amazing experience. I, I came away with a new level of appreciation for um, just a the brilliance of this particular doctor, and and b you know his compassion dealing with many many terminally ill, very sick patients. Um, in hearing the level of care that went into it also what the CDI was hearing this particular person who was um, you know as part of their job they they would hear about the cases live and be able to formulate a clinical query question if as needed about these patients but uh, to hear her listen to this and and digest the information and and actually ask uh, a question or two about some patients for the CDI side um, was was just invaluable, and again, the the experience of that uh, is 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 not something you can replicate from a textbook. As much as I love our C D I plastic guide, it's a terrific resource by uh, Richard Pinson and Cynthia Tang. Um, but to actually go out and see how this is done is um, is a whole different thing, and it's something I recommend for new C D I professionals or those that are considering the profession. Uh, to actually go out and shadow someone on their job, go to a conference and talk to them—it's it—it's um, it's it's invaluable.
0: And and I I mentioned that I I talked to somebody a foreign medical graduate um uh in a in, I guess in a previous episode yesterday I'd recorded and I had him at, talk to me about. Uh, his first uh, actus conference in las vegas that's the one with uh, z-dog that you had there uh, <laughs> and um, he he explained that uh, dr zuane he, he explained that it would like he needed the support because i think he moved into a role where he was by himself uh, the only cdi yeah. and he's the only one that reported to the CFO he was it that was it and so uh, he came from a facility wow. out in New York where it was a group of like 12 so he had a full support system so then to be transitioned to a hospital that was just only of one and so he's like you know what I, I need support I just can't you know do it over email I need to see somebody and do it and so eventually he, he, it led for him to go to the Agnes conference. He was explaining like he signed up for a bunch of the, of the sessions. But then when he came to it, he was looking at the you know, the list of uh, sessions. He, he couldn't make up his mind when he was there. There was so much information. Like he would have to forego one and go to another one. Uh, there was a lot of information there. And, I, and he even met a bunch of his colleagues. Even people who he went to medical school with, he met there. Uh so it it it, it prov- wow. definitely provides a great opportunity. I know the one's coming up in um in uh Orlando uh for the next yeah. year. Most definitely I will be there because I, I the the I guess the the venue that it has been picked the Gaylord uh Resort um over in Kissimmee. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm literally like a two exits away. Really? yeah. Yeah, you're, cool. you're, you're, you 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 picked the right spot. <laughs>
1: You know what Brian it's going to be fun because we uh, the, the Gaylord as you probably know um, is a enclosed property so it's an enormous hotel it's beautiful they've got this oh, this four uh, f- uh, foyer right in the middle that's natural vegetation and sunlight and but it's really like these Gaylord properties are are a more or less an entity unto themselves and we're actually taking over the whole hotel. Oh, are so
0: you? We've
1: nice. got yeah it's something like fourteen hundred rooms and we're gonna have we've we've actually got the run of the place so you will not be able to escape c d i know. when you <laughs> if you're there for the- <laughs> literally every person in that building other than the hotel staff will be c d i or c d i professionals or related h i m professionals you know it's it's gonna be a lot of fun it's a great spot we're actually um we've got a a deal where we have um, discounted rates to the theme parks, and we're the, the shuttles gonna be running every hour. So when the conference lets out, um, we we're gonna have some great deals for our attendees to attend um, the the Orlando, the big Orlando theme parks, mm-hmm. Disney World.
0: Yep, and it's not that far. Like it's uh, if that's us, I think that's on Osceola, old Osceola Parkway. Yeah, just down the road. Literally, you just take that road and just go straight to Disney.
1: Right. So I'm hoping folks maybe consider you know uh, extending their stay a little bit, bringing their family and, and making a little bit of a
0: oh yeah, of an excuse to an excuse to have a vac- <laughs>
1: vacation yeah, yeah sure. And then the other
0: one you have is um, coming up is in November uh, the outpatient conference. That one is right by yeah. I lo- was looking at it. i was like, oh, this is right by Disney Springs. Have you ever been there?
1: It's right right by downtown Disney. Yeah, yeah. I, I was there. We had an actus conference uh, in Orlando. Oh, I did. You? Um, okay. in Disney Springs in in 2011. Uh-huh. So that was my last uh, actus conference there and at the time D- Downtown Disney was there, but I, as I understand it's been hugely expanded oh, yeah. and uh, added on to. yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing that myself. Yeah, it's been, been
0: renovated oh like immensely. It's now called Disney Springs. <clears throat> you could tell I have been there a couple times, but uh but it's it's now like very uh, a lot of shops a lot of restaurants so especially for those that are i think where's the where's the hotel yeah you just take a, a little overpass everything is walking distance within that yeah. area so you I just know. take an overpass you don't have to worry about crossing a street even because uh, they build a nice overpass over with the elevator and boom you're right there all of these resorts and uh, not resorts but the right. shops and the the restaurants are right there that's in november so uh i'll be probably peeking my head <laughs> <laughs> sing hello uh around there yeah
1: that's the actus symposium we you know that is our first um actually this is going to come across weird that's our first second conference so we we've always had just the just the actus national conference and we're going to we're going to continue that again we'll this our next year is our 12th annual but the symposium we decided that you know outpatient cdi was was so new and so different than than traditional inpatient acute care CDI, that it really kind of deserved its own focus. So we started the symposium um, last year. uh, Last October was our first one, and it went well. We had a couple hundred attendees. It's definitely a smaller and more intimate experience than the national conference. We have two tracks as opposed to six and again, we're expecting somewhere around 250 to 300 attendees this year, as opposed to you know you know about 16 or 1800 at our national conference. Um, but you know, it's the, the the great thing about the symposium is that um, it's it's dedicated to that topic. So you're you're going to be meeting folks that are either have successful outpatient programs or are looking to get into outpatient CDI and and want to learn. Um, and we've we, got, we had a great lineup this year.
0: I think it's like a it's a very young. I mean, I know it's established, but not established enough. Like it's a really young topic, and I, I think for people, like for me, I I always wondered how how does the I understand how it works like from a CDI standpoint, but I've always wondered how does it work from a workflow standpoint? Because <laughs> because if you're trying to get it started, you have the concept of trying to improve documentation, but but when you're when you're comparing workflow from an inpatient side to a high volume, you know, uh, right. workflow in the outpatient side, how do you adapt and and what do you need to have set up? And I guess that that uh, that session, the symposium, will definitely uh, lay that out for somebody who's trying to create a CDI outpatient program.
1: Right, you know, we have found that it is it's. It does vary quite a bit based on what the individual's hospital's priorities are. Um, you know, we're, we have found that many hospitals are um, focusing on, you know, hierarchical condition categories or HCCs because they're used in in the formulation of a patient's risk score, and uh, and they have, you know, they're operating on a Medicare Advantage contract, so but that that's not quite even though they operate similar to a DRG they they're very different in that you know they're they can be impacted by outpatient encounters and encounters in physician practices and they're basically looking at a 12 month window of data and there's no way a CDI professional can touch all of these encounters they they don't you know um, so education is even a bigger piece than than on the inpatient side many of the are Successful outpatient programs—they're going out to the clinics and they're—they're they're educating physicians on what they need to document in the record, um, how they—you know—if they—they need to do more than just um, list a medication. They need to tie that to, to a diagnosis. You know, if if the patient's got chronic conditions, these are much more important uh, in the outpatient setting. So they need to make sure they're all documented. And they're still being treated and addressed or evaluated, and and getting that in the record. Um, it's really interesting. It's it's quite a bit different than than you know the, the traditional inpatient where the patient's admitted and then the process of review begins and ends you know at, at upon discharge. It's it's really uh, a much more fluid process, and and not everyone even fo- focuses on HCCs. Uh, that's just one example. We have folks that are that are. Looking at um, you know operating with on denials in the outpatient setting, we have folks that are um, starting to get into some of the you know speaking of denials, like they're perhaps if they have an oncology clinic where they're infusing expensive drugs and they're getting denials um, based on the diagnosis. You know that's that these, these patients aren't meeting um, medical necessity. And so they're working with physicians to educate them on 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 that to get that better documented yeah. in the, the records. Yeah, or or they're you know there's this, this, there's just so much uh, E and M has become more important. Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> see, guys, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's
1: really opened up. It's opened up quite a bit. It's uh, of of uh, uh, new disciplines that are required. New. New skill sets and a whole new process. Yeah, um, it's exciting.
0: That's nice. Very nice. Now, I, I I wanted to ask this earlier. So back in again 2000, 2007, right? Actus uh, was created. Now, who, how did you find yourself being the director? Did like you know a group of you like? <laughs> just point at each other like you're gonna be it did you have to interview uh did you place bets whatever i mean how did you get into how did you get placed into that that to me like like i look at you like this guy is the the godfather of cdi (laughs) you know like he's the top he's the head honcho you know and and uh like i I bet a lot of people are listening how how would you how did you get to that point was it something that you had an interview or or kind of explain that Mm. story or journey
1: well yeah, happy to do it. You know, I have to give credit to um, my boss at the time. Um, she's she's no longer with HC Pro, but at the time my boss was um, a woman by the name of Laura McLeod. And we were conceiving the idea of actus we were, we were starting to build towards it. We had assembled this advisory board, and we had an idea that an association was needed. Uh, and at the time, again, I was working um, as a senior managing editor doing medical coding newsletters and webinars and other, other products. And she asked me if this was something that I would like to lead. Would I like to lead this initiative? Um, this actus, um, you know, it was something that was, uh, I will, I will say was wildly out of my comfort zone. Um, I had never really been in a visible position like that. Um, I had I had managed, you know, I had managed a, a frankly, a large um, webinar line. I was overseeing, you know, a couple dozen, 30, 36, 38 programs a year and working with multiple subject matter experts and speakers and presenters and, and managing our own staff to help produce, and develop these programs, but I hadn't really taken the next step out into uh, leading such a large um, organization. And, you know, frankly, Brian, at the time, we didn't know how this was going to do. We had no expectations. Uh, no one knew who we were. Um, no one knew what Actus was about. And, you know, I, I was able to start it from the ground up. And, um, you know, really, it was just took off quicker than we ever could have expected (laughs) we had to to plan our first conference and put together the financials you know because conferences are expensive to run there's a lot with food and beverage you have to plan for and speaker fees and travel and hotel contracts and you know we had planned believe it or not at our very first conference in las vegas in uh, may of 2008 we had plan for 85, 85 attendees was what we put in our financial launch plan. <laughs> okay,
2: 85? And we, we
1: had I we had 385 at wow. the first conference. It was it was a huge hit and we knew right then that it was going to be something special, but I was not I will say I was not prepared to you know, I I, I hey, we're talking here pretty pretty glibly, but I I'm actually kind of an introvert by nature. You know, I I oh, always loved writing yeah. And I and I like I I like that side of things. I I feel like that's my strength. Um and my go-to, but I suddenly had to do a introductory kickoff <laughs> speech for what was close to 400 people uh-huh. having never done that before. You know, I had to moderate sessions. I it it was it was a very different experience and it was uh it was challenging and it challenged me. Uh, As an individual, um, it really forced me to step out of my comfort zone and learn how to be, how to lead, how to lead an organization, how to be a leader. Um, It's something that I, I, but I'm very grateful for my boss, Lauren, who provided me this opportunity, recognized something in me that she thought I could lead, uh, lead Actus. And I've been, you know, I've been in charge ever since. My role has changed quite a bit over the years when I first started, it was almost a shop of one. You know, we've added staff over the years. I've got a couple of great editors that put work on our publications. We've got a great um, um, administrator of our certification program. We've added um, instructors now, um, full-time CDI boot camp instructors that work for Actis. But, uh, you know, it, it really started with making that just making that leap and and um being given the opportunity and me accepting it and and dealing with the you know the 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 new requirements that I had to I had to uh be willing to take on it's, That's interesting. it's been an amazing yeah. growth opportunity for me
0: yeah and i i i actually had another another previous uh interview who who stated that she was very introverted and i'm like you mm-hmm. know you know what i i was actually the same way i was i was very introverted uh in high school somewhat in college uh, but, yeah, it takes it takes I think it takes a leadership role like what, what it took me to break out of the I mean, I, I guess I'm somewhat introverted. There's a term now called omnivert uh, kind of in between. Okay. Yeah. In between an introvert and an extrovert. I mean, you can't handle too much uh, socialization for too much time. Otherwise, You, you kind of break down. Um but yeah, it takes I for me it took a leadership role. For me, it took being just thrown into as a president in college of uh cultural association, Asian Asian Student Union, and just being thrusted <laughs> to to do things right. that you're that you're not comfortable in doing. And I think that's always been I guess what has been with me in my careers is just doing stuff that you're not comfortable doing, uh speaking, directing like yourself. Doing podcasts, <laughs> CDI, or anything like that. I think that's that's what it needs. Because if you're if you're not comfortable doing it, then if you're not gonna take that leap to to do something different, you're not gonna, you're just gonna stay stagnant. And I guess especially with CDI, right. you can't be you definitely can't be stagnant at all.
1: No, you know one of the greatest lessons I've learned, Brian, is that you you have to get used to being uncomfortable. Because when you're when you're uncomfortable, it means you're growing. It means you're, you're being pushed, pushed beyond what you're used to doing every day. It would, it's, 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 it's a foreign concept. It's a, it's unnatural. uh, But I've heard folks describe it as leaning into your discomfort, being willing to take on something. If you've been given an opportunity, try it out. You know, what's the worst that can happen? You, you, maybe you fail, but you learn something that you, you, you really do learn from your failures. you you know, you learn, you learn, you learn more from your failures than you do from your successes. And I've had failures, you know, Hey, we all have, I've, I have failed at various points in my career and I've learned from them. And I think, you know, the, 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 the people who succeed are the ones that can take a failure, take something that didn't work out exactly as they thought it was going to and learn from it and do better the next time. But, um, it, it really does take, sometimes it does take uh, some individual seeing something in you, it sounds like you had the same experience where you were asked to take on a leadership role and then deciding, you know, yes, this is different for me. Yes, this is going to result in some short-term discomfort. But what is what is the long-term growth opportunity here? You know, how is this going to help me in my career? I need to take this opportunity. And And you can change. You know, people can change. I, I again, I, I I still my default is is introversion, but I am not an introvert. I'm probably people wouldn't would say that they, they if I said that now, maybe some of your listeners might be would be you know wouldn't believe it because of what I have to do now at conferences. Yeah. My I have my own act as radio show now where I have guests and I interview them, and I'm and I'm a very sort of a public figure now but it's, <laughs> yeah. it was not that it was not natural for me but mm-hmm. i have grown into it and I, I i believe that people can change their natural proclivities and their natural tendencies yeah. if they are willing to push push themselves to do it yeah. i really believe that
0: i was in um i was in uh i was a speaker at a At a coding, I guess a coding session is a May Mania for AAPC out in the out in the Space Coast, and one and I always I spoke about CDI, and there was only one uh, CDI specialist who had a CCDS. And so I guess when we we spoke, she 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 heard the message, and she stopped me. She said, "Oh, you had a great message. Oh, by the way, have you met Brian Murphy?" <laughs> I'm like, "No, I haven't, but I <laughs> but I, I am planning an interview." I said, "Oh yeah, I have a story." And she she she's very short. She's blonde. I forgot her name, but but yeah, she showed me. She would show. She pulled out her phone. And she says, you know, there's a story to this. And then, uh, you know, I was in the conference, and and um, I, I saw Brian Murphy walk by, and I say, hey, you know, she, I guess she introduced herself, and then uh, she grabbed you by the arm and t- to take a picture. And then you were, <laughs> you were, there was like, she's short, and then you're very tall. So I guess that explains the football and the track. And this guy is really big, and so he's really tall. And says, yeah, he's such a nice uh, sweetheart. He's such so very nice. Uh, he's like a huggable teddy bear. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay and not to hear yeah. the the you know the the introvert uh concept it doesn't it doesn't click but i i i get a sense of that because you have to i mean not everybody is truly introvert they can move out of that introversion box a little bit uh as you mentioned to be somewhat of a you know i mean not somewhat but you are a public you are a public figure especially in the in the yeah. cdi industry
1: I still have to pinch myself because I don't know how I quite ended up here. I don't, I, it, it's it's, it, um, it's very humbling and kind of mind blowing when I get stopped at conferences and people want to pose for selfies yeah. and take <laughs> pictures of me because, you know, all, all I am is a person that, that just learned and worked hard and, um, pushed myself to, to get into this position. And, and, and I'm, I'm I'm humbled every day that, that folks, Come to our program. Come to the conference. Join Actus. Um, learn from what we have to offer. Have grown as professionals because I, I think um, I think CDI professionals are, are amazing individuals. They're amazing people. They have an amazing job that's very demanding. I don't think most folks who aren't in it would un- even begin to understand the complexities of picking up a. A chart that might be a hundred pages long. You know, if you, if you were to print it all out and, and have you know patients that have been in the hospital for 30 days stay and be able to begin to decipher what is going on here and what what they need to ask and what they need to clarify and and then having to deal with um, you know denials and and um, you know the the, the vagaries of insurers and, you know, (laughs) Medicare denials. And, and, uh, it's, it's, it's quite the job. It's quite the complex job. And, um, you know, I'm, it's, it's, it's remarkable that I'm able to lead this organization, but it's really, I just consider myself, um, you know, um, I, I am the most visible representative, but I'm just another person who's, who's working hard and and trying to bring people together to do you know to 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 learn from each other that's how i look at it i'm i'm not here to teach the word of cdi from on high and tell people how it's all done and think i'm some you know quasi you know uh whatever um king of the profession i'm absolutely not i'm 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 someone who i'm someone who who has just seen the need for folks to have this this dedication this dedicated resource you know that's that's what it's all about. It's, it's, I, I think Actus is unique because, you know, we're, we're CDI. We've only always been CDI and that's all we're ever going to be. As long as I'm in charge of the group, you know, we sure could, could we start, you know, trying to accommodate everybody, uh, in, in related disciplines, like case managers, like folks that are only doing coding and not the CDI piece. Um, yeah, we, we, we could, could we, could we really push into physician advisor spaces or other an, ancillary spaces? We could, but I I feel like that dilutes what we have to offer, which is a, which is a laser focus on on CDI. Um, I think I think that's why we've been a success. You know, we're, we're we're not all things to all people. We are, we are a group that really serves the CDI space. Um, in my humble opinion, like 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 no one else does. Um, and, and I, and I've just been honored to be part of it. It really is an honor. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for, for the opportunity I've been given. I love my job and, um, you know, there there are days that are better than others. Again, I've had my my own failures, um, but I've learned from them, and we're we're moving ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I,
0: I I like the concept of of the fact that you just br- you you've led a group of people together, and you don't see yourself as the person as the as I guess the super expert of CDI. I, I like that concept of just bringing together people and developing a dialogue and conversation that creates i guess the elevates the the industry uh within itself i like that concept because that's i guess what i'm i guess when i created medical coding geeks when i created that brand i i never saw myself as a as a superior medical coder i never have never i'm I mean, i'm taking my ccs after like 12 years so this doesn't make me seem like a oh no so you know what i'm saying? So. I think when I created the group, yeah, I created the group, and it right now, I mean you're looking at eight thousand one group uh two thousand between another three thousand with another couple groups, you see, I guess from my experience, people creating dialogue and within the dialogue they help each other, and then that then elevates like something comes out of it that people follow. Uh, that elevates their standards and also elevates the profession of medical coding. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of open it up even more to clinical documentation, improvement, HIM, whatever it may be. But I, I get a sense of what is being done in act. is also being done uh, with medical coding. And, and if anybody else, you know, trying to create a group of people or association, I really the association is just a group of people. That's how I see it. It's like, you know, you have to bring people together. Get them talking. That's number one. Yeah. Don't let them just stand right. there. They have to talk and then do you, you document what? what they talk and then you, you share what they talk.
1: Yeah. If, 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 if you were to ask the advisory board who I work with to um, create guidance for the industry in the form of position papers or white papers, uh, if you ask them what, what I do on our calls together, they, 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 you know, I think one of my strengths is that they, they call me, uh, the the best cat herder around, you know, they, <laughs> because if you, you, if you get twelve passionate folks on a call mm-hmm. talking CDI mm-hmm. on a topic, they're they're going to range far afield.
0: Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um,
1: it's it's not uh, it, get, getting them to talk. Yes, that's that's part of the problem. I, I actually find it's getting them reined in and focused
2: mm-hmm.
1: on the topic, hand, yeah, yeah. which is which is uh, which is difficult. So. But yeah, yeah, you you have to be willing to put yourself out there and and get the conversation started. And you have to be have to have the skill to, you know, narrow down what what your focus is and and get people working on something that has an end goal and and can be an end product. You know, we we for example, we we put out recently um, a new uh, outpatient query. Uh, position paper, mm-hmm. which which took a lot of work. Uh, we we are working right now on an outpatient um, CDI certification, the CCDSO, which will be our only our second credential ever in the space.
2: Yeah,
1: and that's this is this has been a process ongoing for for more than a year, and it's re, it's required us to, you know, talk to folks that have successful CDI departments and um, outpatient departments mm-hmm. and look at all the. You know their job descriptions. What are the roles? Mm-hmm. And we start pulling together what What are the commonalities across these different departments? Mm-hmm. You know what What are they asking their outpatient professionals to do? How is this different from, you know, the Mayo Clinic as it is as there's Essentia Health as it is as at Oshner and and match these up. And start pulling together what's similar, but right. it, what it requires is just getting the discussion started, getting right. the right people at the table together. Be yeah. willing to ask the hard questions. Be willing to engage in, in the difficult conversations and mm. and move it forward. Nice and keep the focus on. Very nice. Um, and you've done. Hey, I give you credit for, for what you've done with your program. I actually think you know the uh, the HIM coding and CDI profession has a has had a lack. Uh, a a large lack of resources um, that are available freely available or especially in the podcast space Yeah, it's, you know mm-hmm. podcasting is a is a great new way to learn new skills be introduced to new people and uh, you know not elsewhere classified and others like it are are um, are pi- kind of pioneers in this space I give mm-hmm. you a lot of credit for 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 taking the initiative on that learning how to podcast and I, can, I probably need to pick up a few tips from you for, for instance, <laughs> a how to actually, you know, produce a program. It's not easy.
0: Well, there you have it. That is part one of my interview with Brian Murphy. Again, you could check out part two, which will be coming out in the next couple of days. You could check out Brian Murphy on LinkedIn. You could also check out the Association of Clinical Documentation Improvement Specialists at acdis.org. And please mark your calendars coming up on November 8th through 9th. The ACDIS will hold their ACDIS Symposium Outpatient CDI Conference which will be held at the Hilton Orlando Lake Buena Vista, which is, again, nearby Disney Springs in Orlando, Florida. Also, for full show notes of the interview, please make sure to go to medicalcodinggeek.com slash podcast. Not Elsewhere Classified is presented and produced by Medical Coding Geek. Music was brought to you by 43 and Coyote Hearing. Medical Coding Geek offers tutoring and media services for the medical coding, health information, and CDI community. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MED Coding Geek. That's M-E-D Coding Geek. You can also find us on our website, medicalcodinggeek.com where you can find and listen to all the podcast episodes plus the show notes from today. Make sure to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Stitch and Google Play, we would definitely appreciate it. And again, thank you for being part of this podcast. I'm your host Brian Quee, and you have just listened to, not elsewhere, classified.
2: Medicalcodinggeek.com.